Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 371, HPV Prevention, Risk Factors, and Is the Gardasil Vaccine Worth It? Today's episode will be a really important one for many listeners as this shot is now being recommended to nine-year-olds and in two to three dosages when, you know, that risk reward benefit may not be actually favorable. We will also cover natural forms of treatment and how to address primary risk factors and prevent HPV in the first place. Yes, we'll also, of course, dig into cervical cancer, which is the primary risk disease factor associated with the human papilloma virus. And uh, we will talk about antioxidant status, cellular health, the vaginal microbiome, and so much more. So today's episode is going to be really relevant for all age ranges. Right now, the HPV vaccine is starting recommendations at age nine all the way through 45. We'll even talk to you women listening about pap smears and so much more. So before we get into today's episode, as we are talking to y'all the week before Thanksgiving, uh, we just wanted to let you know that we are going to be releasing early our Black Friday and Thanksgiving promos. So make sure that you are subscribed to the Naturally Nourished newsletter. You can do so by going to AllieMillerRD.com. If you scroll to the bottom of that page, you can sign up for our newsletter and you'll also get a two-week food as medicine meal plan. So great information and recipes to give you a taste of food as medicine. And by receiving our newsletter, you will stay on top of our weekly podcast releases, our bi-weekly YouTube releases, and then our flash sales and recipes and so much more. So we'd love you to be a part of our newsletter newsletter community. And just to let you know, we always do a big discount on Black Friday right after Thanksgiving on our top three supplements. So this year we will be featuring our Calm and Clear, which is a blend of nervines, adaptogens, B vitamins, and amino acids to help your brain, body, nervous system, and even hormone response to be regulated from that fight or flight stress impact on your body and keep your mood calm and yet clear. So good cognition and thought processes, yet not getting agitated, anxious, or irritable. So that's definitely a top three seller in the Naturally Nourished Supplement line. If you haven't tried it, this would be a great time to get some calm and clear in your system during the holiday chaos. We also are going to be featuring our Pure Collagen, which is our fantastic collagen peptide formula that has unique compounds of Varicel, Varigel, and Fortigel. Uh, These have been shown in third-party research to have efficacy on skin health, even reducing cellulite, aiding with bone density, and supporting thickening of hair and supporting hair health. Um, Also great studies on the impact on gut health there, so a great protein to add into smoothies or coffee or tea. And then the third feature in our top three supplements is our kind of stunner that always hits the top three list, our relax and regulate, which is that combination of magnesium bisglycinate with myo-inositol. So we hope that you'll take advantage of 20% off, which is our greatest discount that we ever offer on Black Friday on those three formulas. You'll get the coupon code in the newsletter. And then also I want to call out, we will be doing another round of our live virtual food as medicine 12-week ketosis program. But in 2024, January class, we'll be offering a discount over this Black Friday weekend as well. I believe that that's the Cyber Monday offering that we are going to be providing you quite a steep discount. I believe we're doing $75 off um, and the price point itself is at $399. And so this is actually higher than it has been historically at 299, 
but we've increased the value. Instead of just six biweekly classes, we will be holding a weekly touch point. So you'll get the same jam-pack loaded 75 to 90 minute six classes, which include functional medicine, how to master your macros, understanding your protocol. And then we're going to do a 45 minute touch point call where we address questions live, uh, help you troubleshoot your success, and really just give you a lot more support throughout this program. So we're super excited to see how results are really amplified with that weekly touch base and continuum of care. We believe it's such a fantastic value to just be an extra hundred dollars at $399. And you can take advantage of our Black Friday savings and almost make it comparable to our current program uh, with that extra contact point and um, six extra classes. Yes. All right, so stay abreast of all of that by subscribing to the newsletter again and watching Instagram as we release all of those promos. Before we get into today's topic, let's have a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Noble Origins. Yes, Noble Origins makes an organ complex that is a powdered blend of highly high quality, excuse me, beef organs from New Zealand sourced grass fed cow. So it includes beef liver, heart, kidney, pancreas, and spleen to provide you this nose to tail nutrient density without maybe the adverse flavor profiles or the pulsing or grinding of the organs or the difficulty sourcing quality organs at your grocery store. So Noble Org Origins does this work for you by ensuring that they're getting that grass-fed sourcing and they're processing it into a powder that can be incorporated into smoothies or savory bites, very mineral rich, so very bioavailable form of iron and zinc, for instance. We're also getting CoQ10 and antioxidant, as well as nature-made or most bioavailable form of folate, which we'll talk in today's episode. Folate is one of those nutrients through that process of methylation that can combat cervical cancer risk factor and also reduce the impact of viral flare. Um, so this could be a really great way to ensure that nutrient density is optimized and you can add the Noble Origins Organ Complex to anything for a great boost of food as medicine with whole food ingredients. You can use Allie Miller RD at checkout and go over to Noble origins.com that's n-o-b-l-e-o-r-i-g-i-n-s.com slash discount slash Allie Miller RD and you will save at checkout. All right let's get right into today's topic starting with just kind of a broad overview of what exactly is HPV. Okay, so HPV is an infection that causes genital warts, uh, essentially. Uh, so warts can be seen in various parts of the body depending on the strain. The human papilloma virus is what HPV stands for, and it is the most commonly sexually transmitted infection. Many people with HPV actually may not even have the influence of the genital warts, uh, but they can still infect others through sexual contact. Um, and at this time, there's still no cure, which will discuss what that means, etc. But there's no cure for this virus. And the idea right now is that you allow your immune system to just over time support removal of the warts. And we think of this really in any form of derm wart. So even warts that are on the hands or when we look at uh, planter warts, for instance, cauliflower warts, there's whole different gamut of varieties of them. All of them are actually within this human papilloma virus world. Uh, but what today's episode will really dig more deep into is the sexually transmitted ones and those that impact genitals and how this can then impact risk for cervical cancer. But just to note, general common warts, any indicator of warts generally is going to tell us that there is an immunodeficiency mm -hmm. or that the immune system is allowing a virus to go wild or rampant or expressed. Got it. That makes sense. And and HPV in particular of the sexually transmitted variety, we won't always have the warts as kind of an outward 
symptom, right? Right. Some people will get diagnosed with HPV just based on an abnormal pap smear. Mm -hmm. So they don't have any indicator of a structural or tissue issue or, you know, any bumps or indicator of uh, vaginal wart. We can also see genital HPV in other areas of the body. So they can actually go all the way up into that lower part of the uterus that connects to the vagina, which would be that cervix. Um, We also can see uh, the risk factor in the anus, penis, um, vulva, and even back of the throat based on sexual transmission. And the risk concern for all of these is that when left unmanaged, that that viral infection can drive dysplasia or cellular shifts of the tissue in those areas and then increase cancer for those areas, cancer risk. So that's where we could then start to see things like uh, cancer in the back of the throat or oropharyngeal cancer, uh, or again, the most commonly seen consideration is cervical. Right. Okay. Um, let's talk monitoring and how to assess risk and, and talk about pap smears a little bit, which most women are very familiar with, I think at this point. Yes. Yes. So, you know, early cervical cancer doesn't often cause symptoms. And so it really is vital that women have regular screening to detect any precancerous changes in the cervix. And um, this is where we would start to see that dysplasia when they're looking at a pap smear. Um, Current guidelines are that women ages 21 to 29 have a pap smear every three years, which is interesting because it's always been done annually from my understanding of most OBGYNs, but the recommendation is actually every three years. Um, And then women aged 30 to 65 are advised to also continue with pap smears every three years or even upwards to every five years, um, especially if they are not sexually active with multiple partners. Um, They can also get an HPV DNA test at this same time. Um, And so this would look if there is that viral infection on a cellular level. Um, And then the recommendation currently is women over 65 can stop testing if they've had three normal PAPs in a row or two HPV DNA and PAP tests with no abnormal results. Um, Again, these are kind of arbitrary, these age guidelines. They're just making the assumption of sexual activity. We all know that there's some rockin' long-term care facilities or <laughs> retirement the, the facilities. Village, is that the one? Yeah, that, I'm thinking that, of in Florida. Was yeah, about. where there's yeah. like gonorrhea and chlamydia yeah, and all yeah. these STDs that they thought some of them, you know, had kind of reduced and, and gone away in the 70s, and here we are. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that anyone that is sexually active is really the the big area that we're looking at the consideration or concern. Um, and if you have an abnormal result on your Pap smear. This does not mean that you necessarily have cervical cancer, but it does mean that there were abnormal cells. Um, And so often they might just do a follow-up test. This is where they might do that DNA screen. Um, Or if there are cellular concerns, uh, often it will be recommended to do a LEAP procedure or a colposcopy. Uh, A LEAP is uh, a loop electrosurgical exertion procedure. And basically this is going to use a heated wire loop to cut away cells and tissue. And this can be effective for actually removing some of those dysplasia or malformed cells, which could in itself reduce the risk of cancer because ideally healthy cells grow back in its place. Um, But also to note based on your age and if you are of childbearing age and looking for future pregnancy, the LEAP procedure itself can also cause scarring in the cervix, which could interfere with fertility. So something to really weigh out there if considering an abnormal pap. Uh, We'll talk to you all today, of course, about prevention and ways to support healthy cell formation, uh, prevent dysplasia, and also even treat a chronic viral infection using food as medicine and nutritional supplementation. Okay. Uh, Let's talk risk factors for HPV. As you mentioned, it's the most common sexually transmitted disease. Um, And so sexual activity is kind of the big one, especially multiple partners. And obviously the partner would have to be infected. Yes. And I mean, it is super, super common. I didn't get a statistic because I think a lot of people are underdiagnosed with HPV again, because they might not have the presence of the genital warts. Mm -hmm. And again, just because your body has a virus, doesn't mean that your immune system isn't able to quickly 
or capably eradicate or remove or fight said virus. It's usually those that are going to be more immunocompromised that are at higher risk factor for a full-blown HPV infection, which would actually yield some of those genital warts um, and or yield the cervical cancer or cellular change. So your own robust immune response is the really secondary risk factor. So sexual activity for sure. I don't know about you, Becky, but in college, um, you know, I would say about 80% of my girlfriends had HPV, um, to their knowledge, you know, or an abnormal pap. Um, and I know off the top of my head, a good eight to 10 friends of mine that have had a leap. Um, and so again, this is not very uncommon. Um, but what we really want to dig into is how your body can be resilient to fight the infection and not have the long-term effects that could increase cancer risk. Totally. So let's talk about what those look like, um, starting with antioxidant status. Yeah. Super so crucial. Absolutely. So, and we would think about this with all cancer, right? right? Um, and so there has been a good amount of studies where they've looked at serum, albumin, and four dietary antioxidants. They, in this particular study that we'll link, looked at vitamin A, riboflavin, vitamin E, and folate. And they saw an inverse association with high-risk HPV vaginal infection with those that had low scores on this nutritional antioxidant basis. Um, and so those that had ample levels of these nutrients were at a much better status, even if exposed to, again, the virus. So I would extend that into malnourishment mm-hmm. and even, you know, especially those that are eating a high inflammatory processed foods diet. Um, and so this is where we see a lot more concern, um, in maybe lower income area in individuals that don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables or quality protein sources. Um, And we've seen also in another study that I'll link that was in the Journal of Nutrients in 2018, it's called the Association of Dietary Patterns with High-Risk Human Papillomavirus Infection and Cervical Cancer. Um, This study was actually done in Italy, and they noted that greater adherence to a Western diet or that standard American diet was associated with a higher risk of HPV infection. And that an unhealthy dietary pattern put women at a higher risk of developing cervical lesions. Got it. Okay. And we'll link that study in the show notes. Um, What about vitamin D status? Yes. I mean, I think that goes again, without being said, we talked about it with COVID. We talk about vitamin D with RSV, you know, beyond any world of respiratory infection, we know that vitamin D status plays a role also with cancer. Um, And so, you know, this is one that most definitely, especially as we're talking in November, all of you listeners should pause, uh, make sure that you know where your vitamin D status is at. As a friendly reminder, you can get your vitamin D drawn as a blood spot, um, direct ordered on our website uh, at AllieMillerRD.com. If you go under labs, the vitamin D blood spot is a great at home. It's just a little finger stick. You smear it. Um, you can do this for all household members. And we know that vitamin D across the board reduces hospitalization. Uh, it also has antidepressant effects. It also supports your thyroid and your sex hormones. I mean, it's just really important to make sure that we're optimized in that 50 to 100 range. Um, so good call to action there. And everyone in the household should be on a vitamin D supplement, especially in the months of October through March. Yep. Um, and then I'd say stress is also a big risk factor. And we talk about this across the board with pretty much all disease risk that stress can suppress our immune function or kind of distract the immune system from doing what it's supposed to do and thereby can, you know, cause us to have a more severe outcome. Yes. And we think of this with like cold sores, which Mm -hmm. is another viral element here. Um, And so absolutely, I think that stress is one of the most noted and agreed on in the world of both functional medicine and allopathic or conventional medicine as a risk factor. I think they'll actually put stress in most hospital or um, GP or OBGYN offices above diet Mm -hmm. (laughs) as an emphasis, because again, the immune system is distracted during time of stress and often will have more of an immunosuppressed expression or the immune system isn't able to put its energy into getting rid of infection. Okay. Let's talk a little further on prevention. So obviously preventing stress, having ample vitamin D and antioxidant status are Mm -hmm. all important. Eating a, you know, whole foods, clean, 
unprocessed diet, yes. anything else that we would add to that in terms of the prevention piece of the puzzle? Yeah. I mean, so I, I think, you know, just within each of those, we could dig a little deeper and give some lifestyle or food as medicine support. So in the first world of prevention, it would be abstinence or limiting your partners. <laughs> so I think especially when we're talking about before we get into risk factors associated with the vaccine, uh, we really would want to think about, is this individual at risk at all. Um, and the CDC and of course the vaccine manufacturers are very adamant that the Gardasil shot should be given before these, uh, children, I will call them children because nine-year-olds are children, mm -hmm. <laughs> before these children are sexually active. Um, and, you know, I, it's just interesting. It just makes my mouth kind of go wide because I have a seven and a half-year-old right. almost right now, and she doesn't know what sex is. And so it's hard to imagine in a year and a half that being at all on the table or even a conversation of abstinence because I don't even know when we'll cross the bridge of what sex is. Right. Uh, but that's, of course, the most important way to prevent it is limited partners honoring your body. And I think having the conversation with your child about the influence of intimacy on a health model, um, you know, even the influence of microbiome impact and how, you know, our body when it merges with another body per God's plan to procreate comes with a lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I'm not sure exactly how I'm crossing that bridge, but that would be the, the first microbiome one. one that would have gotten me as a teenager. I'm, I'm like, just gross. saying, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, it's not just boys have cooties. It's like your microbiome is being swapped with this person. Mm -hmm. Think very carefully about who you want yeah. to swap microbiomes with. Yep. And I mean, I, I've seen really good visuals that I haven't quite prepared myself with, I'm sure we'll do another sex ed goodness podcast down the line when that's in my real life world. Uh, but I have seen like visuals of like, you know, golden thread and like you extend your web to too many partners, it loses its strength, et cetera. And so abstinence, limited partners and being intentional and, um, knowing the vigilance and responsibility that comes with choosing to have sex is the first one. Mm -hmm. Um, the second one was stress. Yes, of course. Um, you know, if we can get our body to have more stamina, um, to be less stressed in its physiological influence, then this will allow the body to more favorably combat the virus or not allow the virus to set up camp from exposure in the first place. So this is where we would look at things like breath work. This is where we could look at meditation or prayer. We would look at doing movement that gets us into that parasympathetic space like yoga or Pilates or walking outside and really highly prioritizing sleep quality like that seven plus hours a night. Um, and this is especially for like the college kids, one of the bigger Achilles heels to be mindful of, like during cramming time, if alcohol's up, which is of course going to drive malnourishment and mental emotional stress is up, probably not the time to look for that fill of dopamine from, you know, a one night stand. Um, and so really thinking of more foundational ways to anchor and regulate that stress response would be key. And within that, I would say right away, that's where I would be leaning into calm and clear and adaptogen boost, um, for sure as powerful players to regulate that stress response. Okay. And then diet as well. Um, adding in cruciferous vegetables are broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels, kale. Uh, they have indole 3 carbonyl or I3Cs, which are actually going to help with fighting HPV. Yeah. I mean, leaning into Brocco Detox, which is our supplement that has the Eindol 3 carbonyl and the sulforaphane in there. Um, you know, this is a powerful tool that I would bring in um, really throughout higher sexual activity time for both girls and boys. I think that this is just a good antioxidant blend. It's a good protector for STD and viral infection and a good antioxidant blend to offset maybe the lack of vegetable sprouts <laughs> types of food choice of the pizza and um, you know mac and cheese ramen diet that many college mm -hmm. kids are on. I think Brocco Detox would be a really good maybe third uh, supplement to layer in on top of maybe a daily probiotic and a daily multivitamin. Sure. And then of course, if you've had an abnormal pap, 
this is where instead of taking one to two daily, this is where we would go for three to four uh, and we would stay consistent until that pap smear comes back normal, which means that you've actually physiologically supported those cells to come back uh, in an ideal shape, not that dysplasia or malformation from the viral infection. Okay. Um, and I know there's a lot more we can do in that department. Let's talk some more food as medicine support. Yeah. So if we're thinking in the world of immune, immune modulators in the world of medicinal mushrooms would be huge. So we could eat more mushroom, of course, in the diet. Um, shiitake of the options that are out there and have more immune modulating effects are probably maitake and shiitake, the only two that are typically used in food um, or could be done in like a soup um, or be done as a saute or a stir fry. These would be lovely to add in. But then we also see really positive research with HPV specifically on uh, reishi, cordyceps, chaga, and turkey tail. So adding in the elderberry plus as a supplement support would be giving us that antiviral benefit of elderberry and high antioxidant or ORAC score of the elderberry plus the combination of shiitake and maitake. So like a dropper or two of those would be a really good proactive treatment. Again, if dealing with abnormal pap or knowing, of course, if having genital warts present, this would also be, of course, what would be that kind of line of defense. Otherwise, just having that and leaning into that during times of immune seasonal need would also be a consideration to, again, not have you with your guard off arms and be more prone towards that immune suppressed infection. I think as a daily remedy, probably a better option would be our adaptogen boost um, because again, this is going to double hit. It has the cordyceps in there. Uh, it also has ginseng and it also has um, cordyceps, ginseng, and rhodiola. rhodiola. Thank you. Um, and so the cordyceps would have the influence of the immune boost and antiviral mushroom extract element, but then you're still getting other herbs that are known to aid with stamina and reduce that stress-induced fatigue to support adrenal gland resilience. So I think adaptogen boost for all listeners would be a really good base defense um, at like somewhere between two a day, if not experiencing stress. If you are someone who is under a high level of stress, three to four a day, and even going up to six at periods of time, if especially experiencing stress-induced fatigue and brain fog and like an aftermath flat hit from stress. Sure. Um, and then vitamin C, we think about that just kind of general immune preventative, right? Um, so I think bringing that into the mix is always good for the stress piece of the puzzle because we can know there's a vitamin C and cortisol connection, um, but consuming, you know, citrus fruit, berries, broccoli, oranges, grapefruits, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and then potentially layering on some vitamin C supplemental support as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so again, this is like where we see all of the research of Linus Pauling on vitamin C and cancer care. This is why people do vitamin C IVs, etc. cetera. Uh, so, you know, bio C plus would be a really good go-to to get the antioxidant, which will regulate inflammatory response, also reduce oxidative stress or tissue change or tissue damage, um, when also supporting, like you said, immune and even stress story. What's unique about our bio C plus is we have some favorable add-ins that we put to the plus, right? So supplementing with about 500 milligrams upwards to one gram of vitamin C would be supportive. But when you take two a day of our bio C plus, we have citrus flavonoids in there, which 50% of them are standardized in the form of hesperitin. Hesperitin has been shown actually through the Journal of Fundamental Clinical Pharmacology um, in a study to actually have an apopto apoptotic or apoptosis. Um, apoptotic effect would be where basically the cells like explode um, when exposed to this compound. So they saw that hesperidin on human cervical cancer cells had an apop apoptotic effect 
and that this was mediated through cell uh, cycle arrest, death receptors, and mitochondrial pathways. So literally taking out the cervical cancer cell, which is pretty wild and amazing. So hesperidin also has a mechanism of anti-proliferative effects, meaning it does not allow life or growth of cervical cancer. And uh, this was seen on also human cervical cancer. So pretty powerful stuff from that bioflavonoid blend and that concentrate of hesperidin in our bio C plus. And then what's more is there's also research on routine, which is in our formula as well as quercetin. Um, so there's a study that came out in 2020 called anti-cancerous effect of routine against HPV cervical cancer cells. Um, and it also looked at the form of apoptosis as a induction to kill off the cancer cell growth. Um, you get 50 milligrams per capsule of our bio C plus of routine direct. And then quercetin is of course, another flavonoid in this citrus family. And on its own, it has high anti-cancer activity and especially for HPV cancer, such as cervical cancer, we've seen quercetin as a beneficial compound. Now, what's so cool about all of these, all within that bio C plus is that these also can reduce inflammation, can reduce histamine activity. So great for seasonal allergies, um, and so much more. And so beyond zesting your citrus into your smoothies or adding berries more regularly into your diet, the bio C plus could be a really favorable multitude of benefit, but also having some pretty clear HPV prevention elements. Sure. And I mean, lots of us are probably taking that one already as kind yes. of part of your daily wellness routine. So, Hey, you're already doing it. Mm -hmm. Yep. No doubt. Uh, let's talk vitamin A. Yeah, so vitamin A is one that we think of in the world of immune system mm -hmm. and maybe even secondary of our fat-soluble vitamins right after vitamin D. Um, and so vitamin A plays a huge role with our immune system function, of course, our reproductive health, our vision, especially when we think of the carotenoid family. Um, we get vitamin A in liver as a very concentrated bioavailable form. So eating beef liver, trying our organ meatballs would be a great delivery, using the Noble Origins that I talked about as our podcast sponsor and incorporating that into your smoothie would be a great way to get that uh, fat animal, more bioavailable form of our vitamin A. And then when looking at your multivitamin, always make sure that there is a blend of both fat and water-soluble forms. Um, so this should be seen in your prenatal. This should be seen in your children's vitamins as well as your daily vitamin. I would say in constructs of HPV and HPV prevention or regulation, the multi-defense is going to be the best choice. So if you have college age girls that are menstruating, they would do the multi-defense with iron. If we have boys, we would just do the multi-defense um, because that menstruation or that period is losing blood. So we like to give girls that iron repletion. Of course, any uh, listener that is vegetarian or vegan or is anemic would also want that multi-defense with iron. But multi-defense is going to be fantastic because it's going to give you the multivitamin with both parts, the carotenoid in a mixed form plus the retinol or palmitate form of vitamin A. And then you're also getting with our multi-defense an entire antioxidant phytocompound blend. So we're getting green tea extract, we're getting grape, we're getting um, these citrus bioflavonoids and so much more. So I think it's a really good broad antioxidant boost, which has multitude of cancer fighting effects. Yes. Um, and you mentioned green tea in particular. So there are studies out there that the polyphenols in green tea can help to reduce risk of certain cancers. We talk about a lot, especially with breast cancer, mm -hmm. uh, but actually green tea as an extract ointment has been an approved treatment for treating genital warts. Who yeah. Knew? So, or doing like a compress, mm -hmm. you know, with green tea would be something to consider as well. Um, and so I thought that was really interesting. And then, um, drinking sencha, which mm -hmm. is like a Japanese green tea using matcha would be fantastic, which is going to give you that concentrate of 10 cups in just a teaspoon. Otherwise around two cups of green tea daily would be a big goal here. 
Okay. And then um, sulforaphane would be another hint yes. here. And that's where we talked about the Brocco detox a little bit. Yes. So those Eindol-3 carbonyls and sulforaphane actually each have their own mechanisms of action. So again, I really think a star of the HPV show would be our Brocco detox, especially if someone knows that they have tested positive for HPV or has had an abnormal pap or any presence of genital warts. Um, this would be an absolute essential. So sulforaphane can actually enhance immune function and prevent the development of cervical lesions or those cellular shifts. Um, and so we do want to see sulforaphane activated. Um, and that's what's unique about our Brocco detox in this formula itself. Um, we have the myorosinase um, enzyme in there, which aids in ensuring that sulforaphane is bioavailable. Sulforaphane would also be seen higher in sprouts. So this would be a reason to consume like two tablespoons of broccoli sprouts or some form of Eindol 3 carbonyl sprouts. So it could be cabbage sprouts um, or et cetera. And then the Eindol 3 carbonyls are the phytochemicals also in this cruciferous family. And they've been proven to have anti-cancer efficacy in including the reduction of cervical interepithelial neoplasia, or CIN, as well as uh, reduction of progression to cervical cancer. And then in breast cancer, we talk about the I3C actually inhibiting cell adhesion, um, spreading of cellular changes or precancerous or cancerous cells, and then actually upregulating tumor suppressor genes. Um, there's this gene called P10, and um, that is suggested as an important inhibition of the late stages and development of cancer. And this increases with consumption of I3C compounds. So having about a half cup to one cup of cooked cruciferous vegetables daily, two tablespoons of sprouts, and then layering in that Brocco detox. Again, preventative would be like one to two per day, but active treatment would be three to four per day of that formula. And then thinking in the world of polyphenols, olive oil would also be a fantastic tool um, in terms of prevention and or treatment. I think it was included in that Italy study as well. Right. It was those that had like two tablespoons of olive oil had more protective effects than those that were eating that westernized Mm -hmm. diet. Mm -hmm. So both limiting those industrialized oils and then actually getting an abundance of the olive oil. We know that olive itself within its polyphenol or antioxidant family has some antimicrobial and antiviral properties. And I would also say on the world of fats, coconut oil. In fact, there are a lot of like supplement blends out there for HPV that will use caprylic acid as a concentrate. And we think of caprylic acid as a tool we would use in like a um, candida cleanse. Uh, We have caprylic acid in our GI reset formula, which is often added into our Beat the Bloat bundle. Um, But what's lovely about using coconut oil as a food, as medicine, or even topically, we've talked about coconut oil as a sexual lubricant. I did not find any studies on using topical coconut oil to prevent HPV transmission, but I don't think it would hurt. Um, It's definitely going to do more than Astroglide or (laughs) whatever is out there in other industry um, models of lubricants that would have, um, you know, more toxic uh, industrialized oils, which we don't want absorbed into our skin anyway, as far as the risk of cervical cancer, et cetera. Um, So I think coconut oil would be a fine recommendation to use as a lubricant um, or topical, but also consuming um, because you're not just getting that caprylic acid. You're also getting monolaurin, um, which has a lot of known antiviral compounds and lauric acid. Um, And so this would be a really powerful antiviral player. I would say also about two tablespoons of coconut oil for a food as medicine approach. Okay. I like that olive oil and coconut oil is kind of primary recommendations of oils that we're using in the household. Um, and then let's talk immunoglobulins for a second here. I always think about this whenever we're talking about really any viral infection, but especially those that tend to linger or be kind of longstanding, um, or even bacterial infections or co-infections like Lyme. You know, we talk about using immunoglobulins with that population. We talk about it for Epstein-Barr. So I don't see Mm -hmm. why HPV would be any different, right? We want to support the immune system and its normal functioning and help it to upregulate and clear that 
pathogen or that virus. Um, so I think bringing in immunoglobulins daily would be a great recommendation as well. Absolutely. And especially daily, I would say as preventative, if your kiddo, like you said, had Epstein-Barr or mono or is just susceptible to many infections or immune compromised or always dealing with chronic stuff, gunk, mm-hmm. um, then that individual would benefit for sure. Um, and then lastly, just kind of rounding things out in nutritional supplementation and focused nutrients, um, in that kind of same vein of polyphenols and the research behind vitamin C with HPV, we would hit with the big guns, if you will, of NAC and glutathione. So there is a gamut of research out there on NAC um, and acetylcysteine and how it can reduce cervical carcinogenesis by promoting also that apoptosis or that kind of cellular explosion, if you will, of cancerous or precancerous cells. There was a study looking at findings of NAC exhibiting potential to promote HPV-positive cell apoptosis. So even prior to uh, precancerous cells, actually just the HPV itself in the cells, and then also suppressing suppressing, excuse me, the proliferation or the growth of the HPV positive cells by actually inhibiting the cell inhibitor of apoptosis protein two and HIF one alpha. Um, so really powerful mechanisms of NAC and glutathione. And again, like you said, Becky with bio C plus, maybe many of us listening are using this formula cellular antiox because of its antiviral support for overall cold flu viral season. This is just another mechanism within that viral world. Sure. Um, Let's talk a little bit about strategic antivirals and supporting the microbiome. I really feel like the beat the bloat cleanse would be a great place to start, you know, with a positive HPV test um, or or a diagnosis of HPV um, in terms of strategy and just more intensive support. I think absolutely. So, you know, we talked about the caprylic acid in our GI reset. Um, When we're looking at the beat the bloat cleanse, you know, we have a combination of antiviral compounds in our berberine. And remember, our berberine boost also has some traditional Chinese herbs in there. And so you're getting golden thread. um, You're getting a variety of compounds, including things like ginger that actually aid in this synergistic antiviral effect and also this gut cleansing or microbiome resetting effect. Um, We're going to be getting our herbal immune in this formula as well. Uh, And the herbal immune is going to have thyme, oregano, lemon balm, and sage, and all of each. These each have favorable influences even on uterine health, uterine uh, tone, uh, fluid retention, cellular health. They each have their own gamut of antioxidant polyphenols and then also antiviral specific as well as antifungal and antimicrobial effects. So huge impact from that herbal immune plus the berberine boost. And then our Beat the Bloat uh, bundle also has ultimate detox, which would be important anytime we're fighting anything. We want to support that lymphatic clearing and support the liver as well with sulfur containing amino acids to gather and excrete that debris so that that doesn't create sluggish lymph and then overall suppress or overwhelm our immune system, driving more chronic inflammation. Um, And then the GI cleanup in this bundle as well is a type of probiotic that has also uh, phage or phage activities, a bacteriophage blend. And what this does is actually works on the process of phagocytosis or basically the engulfing of viral infected or bacteria infected cells to remove them from the body. And I would say if you have any indicator of dysbiosis from like maybe bloating or distension or not tolerating probiotics, or maybe we have vaginal yeast flare or thrush on the tongue um, or stool is just not well formed and we think that something's off in the gut, this would be really important to right away treat because we know that when the vaginal microbiome is off, that often trends with the gut. So if the gut is off, often that means also the vaginal flora is off. And um, that's really important because we've seen study after study looking at various forms of STDs, not just HPV. If a woman does not have a healthy, robust growth of lactobacillus raminis and or lactobacillus ruteri, 
the Raminus GR1 or the Ruteri RC14 are the two strains that we have in our women's flora probiotic. And that's because these are the two most robustly researched for optimal vaginal flora or vaginal uh, balance. Um, we look at these strains to support a healthy fertility, uh, also full-term delivery, um, preventing uh, preeclampsia or uterine inflammation with pregnancy. We know that these strains themselves can also treat and prevent recurring UTIs as well as vaginal yeast infections or BV, bacterial vaginosis. And we've seen STDs including AIDS, gonorrhea, chlamydia, HPV, you name it, if the woman's microflora is off and they're in a state of dysbiosis, their immune system is suppressed in that area. And again, that means they're more susceptible to infection. So the exposure to a sexually transmitted disease when you are balanced with the women's flora is less likely to be susceptible to infection. And I think that's super important to kind of drive home. Yes. So exposure does not equal infection. It's all about that individual's vulnerability. Yeah. Yes. And then they've actually studied those two strains that we have in the women's flora um, to look specific at HPV. Um, one study did show clearance. Another study didn't show clearance, but did show that there was a decreased rate of abnormal or unsatisfactory cervical smears. So there was still a cellular favorable change from use of these two strains. The other study that I will link actually looked at um, patients divided into two groups as a randomized placebo-controlled trial. They used a form of lactoraminous and they administered this vaginally for three or six months. And they found that the six-month group had a higher clearance of the rate of cytological abnormalities and a complete clearance of the rate of HPV than the three-month group, um, which showed the long-term efficacy of the L, raminous, and HPV clearance. So that first study just might not have been used long enough. I know personally as a mother um, of a daughter that my plan when I'm sending my kid off to school beyond my abstinence talk and all of the things of honoring your body and um, you know biblical approaches, etc., is going to be on top of her multi-defense with iron. She will be taking Brocco Detox at one twice daily and she will be taking the women's flora. I like it. All right. <laughs> Not thinking that far ahead yet, but I will have to at some point, right? <laughs> yes. And I mean, I think that takes us to yeah. transition about let's talk yeah. the vaccine because yeah. we have to always think through risk reward. And when we're thinking about, again, adding Brocco detox into our child or adding women's flora, we can be favorably with Brocco detox, also treating H. pylori, also fighting any form of cancer, also giving them clean energy as an antioxidant um, in the world of the women's flora, preventing UTIs and yeast infection, right? Um, which might not even have to do with an STD sure. element. Um, it could be a swimmer, um, you know, in, in college or someone that's doing a lot of yoga and, and needing some more of that vaginal flora support. Um, so that's what I love when we lean into food as medicine or functional medicine approaches. We are preventing a condition or treating or managing a condition, but we're also providing benefit and nourishment and a synergistic influence of other disease fighting or life enhancing effects. And I think that's something that you can't really nail down strong enough when comparing the allopathic conventional vaccine, um, which has no actual benefit to the body beyond potentially preventing the infection, um, which we'll dig into. Um, but definitely there's not that synergy of other health beneficial outcomes and there definitely comes with risks. Sure. Um, so yeah, let's talk Gardasil risk reward and the controversy around this. Right. Um, and I feel like this was a big push. Like when I was, a, I guess I was in college when it came out. Um, I bet because I missed yeah. it is all I know. Okay. And we're about, well, I'm talking right now at 38 and you're 35, 34. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So just about three, four years um, difference. And I have a friend who was actually vaccine injured from it and like fainted and um, had ongoing like dizziness spells. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember it being a big, big push in, in college. And at that time it was a three vaccine series. Yes. So the Gardasil vaccine, first we can unpack ingredients and then, sure. um, you know, risks, et cetera. So this is, um, an inert viral vaccine. So more of a classic vaccine, if you will. Um, it includes proteins of HPV in various types. Um, so this is a quadrivalent, if you will, four type, um, type six, type 11, type 16, and type 18 are the inert 
viral strains that are included in this vaccine. There's also amorphous aluminum, hydrophosphate sulfate, yeast protein, sodium chloride, L-histidine, polysorbate 80, and uh, sodium sorbate and water. So we're getting some of these lipoprotein elements with that polysorbate preservative, which we don't like uh, being injected into our body because of that cellular stress influence. And then in this form of a classic vaccine, they are using the adjuvant or the irritating toxic element to try to stimulate an immunological response. So adjuvants are often metals. Um, in this form, this is the aluminum. And what's interesting is that the Gardasil itself, um, when we're talking about aluminum concentration, um, is pretty moderately high. Um, when we look at FDA maximum requirements for aluminum received through an IV, we're looking at like 25 micrograms per day. Um, and the suggested aluminum per kilogram of weight to give to a person is up to five micrograms um, per kilogram. So this would mean that like a five pound baby should get no more than 11 micrograms, for instance, of aluminum. Um, when we're looking at the HPV shot, it's at 225 micrograms of aluminum in that delivery. Um, and so this would be a hundred pound person when you break that into kilograms by dividing by 2.2, um, this person would be capped at 227 micrograms. So we're right at that kind of toxic level. And especially again, if we're talking about vaccinating those that are age nine, I don't think a lot of nine-year-olds are hitting that a hundred pound weight. Now, college kids might have a little bit more meat to their bones and be closer to that hundred pound threshold, but listeners that are kind of on the fence of this, that would be something I I would most definitely ensure that your child is at least 100 pounds if receiving this said shot because that's actually against FDA guidelines to otherwise administer, which is wild because that's not ever looked at. Right, right. Yes. Um, so that's kind of one of those that's not controversial, but known, but overlooked mm -hmm. or um, I believe done incorrectly um, if we're looking at the aluminum element. The Gardasil 9 is the shot that's out now. Um, and this is, again, marketed to protect individuals ages 9 to 45 against um, nine different types of HPV that can influence cervical, vaginal, vulvar cancels, vul vulvar cancels in females, anal cancer, certain head and neck cancers, such as throat, back of the mouth, and genital warts in both males and females. Um, they note very clearly on the Gardasil 9 information packet and website that it might not fully protect everyone, nor will it protect against diseases caused by other HPV types. So kind of like the flu shot, this quadrivalent shot is just impacting type 6, 11, 16, and 18. And there is a gamut of different forms of HPV uh, strains, if you will. Um, Gardasil 9 does not prevent all types of cervical, vulvar, uh, vaginal, anal, head, or neck cancers as well. Vaccination does not remove the need for recommended screenings for these cancers, and it's still important for women to get their cervical cancer screens and or pap smears. Um, it does not treat cancer or genital warts. Um, it is given transderm or, or, you know, intramuscularly in the arm. And it could be given in two or three shots. For those that are ages 9 to 14, they give this in a two or three dose schedule. Uh, the second shot usually given 6 to 12 months after the first. Um, and then the three dose schedule, they give one at two months after the first shot and then another one at six months after the first shot. And then for those that are ages 15 to 45, they're just all given the three dose schedule. Got it. Okay. Um, and how effective is this vaccine? Do we have some stats? Yeah. That? So what's really interesting is that it may not be as effective or might not work as, as marketed or represented. And there's right now a lot of active legal cases on that mm -hmm. currently. Um, and it also is being argued that it might not work at all. Um, in fact, interesting when I was pulling stats on HPV and cancer, um, in the United States, the high risk HPVs cause 3% of all cancers in women. 
and 2% of all cancers in men. So a high-risk HPV infection could cause upwards of 3% in women or 2% in men. Um, and what's interesting is on the page for Gardasil, it says if you're vaccinated before being exposed to the virus, the HPV vaccine is 97% effective in preventing cervical cancer and cell changes that could lead to cancer. But to me, 97, 100 minus 97 is three, and there is only a 3% uh -huh. cause of risk. So it doesn't sound like doesn't any sound modifiable like any risk, risk reduction. reduction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a pretty easy, like elementary math problem yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, but it sounds you know, to the naked eye, 97% yes. effective sounds good. Right. Also doing nothing apparently is 97% okay. effective because there's only a 3% risk mm. factor. <laughs> so pretty crazy. Um, there are, like I said, many lawsuits that are alleging that Merrick is the producer of the Gardasil shot, um, that they fraudulently concealed evidence about the health risks of the vaccine itself and that they misrepresented that Gardasil could even at all prevent cervical cancer, again, because of this statistical insignificance. Um, you know, this really, 2006, I guess, is when they really started their heavy marketing campaign. And so Vayer's reports continue to come out um, as far as adverse effects or noting vaccine injury. Um, there have been over 100 reported deaths with this vaccine itself. So in the world of autoimmune, when we stimulate the immune system, and this is what we see with like MS, for instance, a lot of people will get a uh, vaccine injury following injection where an autoimmune flare occurs because that adjuvant or that stimulator for the immune system throws the immune system into an overdrive mode and the immune system instead of targeting that inert or inactive virus instead attacks a tissue of itself and so this is where we can see things like colitis in the world of the immune system attacking the colon or multiple sclerosis in the world of the neurological system. Um, we see a lot of neurological stuff in general also with Gardasil shot. So there's neurological concerns as a broad spectrum and dysautonomia is one of the big ones that we're seeing. Um, so this can be like dizziness, this can be vasovagal syncope, like fainting, um, an overall uh, level of imbalance in the brain and the body, which can also impact chronic fatigue and so much more. We've seen premature ovarian failure reported to a relationship of the Gardasil shot, as well as overall infertility. And we've, of course, like I mentioned, mostly concerning um, seen death. And the death count crossed just over 100. Um, I'll find that in a moment in my notes here. Um, but definitely something, a 106. Um, there is right now reported 106 deaths uh, from Gardasil alone. Which is really scary, again, for not even a 3% risk reduction, potentially a 0% risk reduction. Right. And to note again, that there's so many things that when infected with HPV and doing your pap smear to screen for cervical uh, cancer or cervical cellular changes, there's so many things that you can do mm -hmm. with natural remedies to eradicate HPV and or protect cervical cells with no risk. So right. that's where I just don't see the cost to benefit in our favor. And known side effects that are across the board and put on the insert include fainting after getting the shot, headache, fever, nausea, dizziness, um, pain, swelling, redness, itching, bruising, bleeding, a lump where the shot was provided, um, and then muscle and joint pain even beyond the area of administration. So some of the physicians that have stood on trial with some of these lawsuits are providing testimony on the autoimmune influence via a process of molecular mimicry and cross-reactivity. So what happens here is the infectious virus-like particles from the Gardasil vaccine basically mimic the body's natural amino acid sequences, and they can confuse the immune system into, like I said earlier, attacking the body's own cell receptor sites, um, interacting with wake and sleep patterns. There's been a lot of narcolepsy reports with Gardasil, which is really interesting. 
happening. And um, we can see this phenomenon called cross-reactivity, where again, Gardasil introduces a protein antigen and this foreign substance creates this immune response. And the cross-reactivity happens when the body does not only attack that inert HPV, but the molecular mimicry of the immune system attacks a part of the body that the protein antigen itself is mimicking. So this could be, um, for instance, hypocretin, which is a compound that we see with wake cycles and energy, um, autoimmune levels, like we said, can be seen. And then that can whole open up a whole gamut of other concerning conditions. Sure. Um, and we talked already about the aluminum impact. Let's talk. Um, so obviously we probably won't be doing this vaccine with our kiddos. Um, luckily I've got some more time to weigh it out and watch things unfold with these various lawsuits and whatnot. But um, if we are considering vaccination, anything we could do in terms of before and after detox support? Sure. So if you feel that the risk reward is in your child or your own favor, um, you know, following what we've learned, then, you know, you can of course, first and foremost, make sure that you are at 100 pounds or more of body weight so that you're not putting yourself into a toxic medical metal exposure. And um, we look at detoxing that metal. So we think of NAC and glutathione as two key components here. So cellular antiox will be taken at a higher dose for about three days prior and five days post. Uh, so six capsules a day of our cellular antiox. CoQ10 complex would be another one to support mitochondrial activity uh, because, again, that inflammatory immunological response can also tax our mitochondria, causing chronic fatigue. Um, So that would be a good one to keep in for a good maybe three months following vaccination. If you're doing the three-part, this would be for that full year of coverage. And then detox packs as well. Doing actually the 10-day detox uh, the day of, starting with the day of the vaccination and running that whole 10-day course using our Reset, Restore, Renew packs and following the high antioxidant diet of the 10-day detox. Um, But again, I think that knowing that there are effective tools in our tool belt that if infected with HPV, we can treat it. Um, not like what we read on the CDC of it's untreatable. Mm-hmm. You have to wait for the immune system. We know with natural medicine, we can enhance the immune system and via enhancing the immune system aid in eradicating this virus, which reduces the risk of cellul- of that cervical cancer or cellular changes. And then layering in those antioxidants, the best way to protect our cells from that oxidative stress or that viral infection action. Okay. So lots of action items from today's episode. As always, the show notes will be over at naturallynourishedrd.com under podcast. You can find links to all of the studies referenced as well as the supplements that were recommended in this episode with the dosage, if it's anything other than kind of the baseline dose um, for infection. And then you can find everything else over at alliemillerrd.com. Hope to see you guys in our next live keto program. Hopefully you get some of the Black Friday deals and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Visit our blog at alliemillerrd.com for recipes, wellness tips, food is medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at Allie Miller RD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.